Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. What's up? Everybody, it's so good to see you. Always good to be back with my Central Christian family in the great city of Beloit, Wisconsin. (laughs) And I just want to say, everybody, um, this is probably one of the most challenging sermons I've ever preached. For me personally, for me personally, this thing hit me like right between the eyes. And for those of you, this is your first time, or this is your first time in a long time. The reason why it's challenging for me as your newly elected associate pastor and as a former NFL football player, um, it's challenging because, how, how can I say this? Um, I'm extremely competitive, right? right? Like, I'm the dude that like hate to lose. I got some folk like that, like me, like you hate losing too, one or two of you. Like, I see your hands going up. How many of y'all in here, your rule is if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying? How many of y'all like that? <laughs> few, few, I got a guy right there that's honest. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I'm that guy. Like, I got to win, right? I, mean, I told y'all this before. I once beat a 64-year-old woman in ping pong and was glad about it. <laughs> and you know what I said to her when the match was over? I was like, you should have brought your A game. I mean, it's just, it's just we're going to play. We're going to win. We're going to win. All right? Man, I once blew up a 17-year-old boy in full pads playing football that I was training to help him become a football player. He had never played football before. Blew him up like Adam Sandler in The Water Boy. How many of y'all saw The Water Boy? I mean, I got it bad, you know. And some of y'all right now, you're like Pastor Ray. Really? I mean, my guy, what's going on with you? Competitor. Winner. Man, I got to win. All right? And then I got sat down by the greatest pastor on the planet, Pastor Dave Clark. Who in his infinite wisdom, him and our teaching team here at Central Christian, decided that we're going to talk about this idea of the upside-down kingdom. You know, to play on words from the show Stranger Things that's just sweeping the world right now. And the Lord put this passage of scripture across my heart that I've been wrestling with ever since. It's really hard for a competitor like me to wrap my arms around. And in Mark chapter 9, Jesus introduces this principle. In verse uh, 33, it says, uh, do we have it? There it is, yeah. It says, uh, after they arrived at Capernaum, and they settled in a house. Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take. Whew. Last place and be the servant of everyone I'm going to try to read that again. I'm hoping it'll change. It says, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Everybody, I'm just saying Jesus wouldn't have made a very good football coach. I mean, I mean, church, I mean, 
Who, in our world, who says that? Who does that? Right? I mean, for us, it's so countercultural. It's so opposite. It's so literally upside down from anything that comes naturally to us. And why? Well, if we be honest, for those of you who raise your hand and like to win, that I like, that like, like I like to win, who's competitive like I'm competitive, if you like me, you know, it feel good to win. Huh? Feel good to be like, hey, hey, I work for that. Hey, I deserve that. Hey, I, I earned that, right? The winning feels good. But not only if we be honest, does winning feel good, you know, winning look good. Look good to win. You know, to be able to be like, oh, you know, because when you win, people recognize you. Be like, oh, that's that dude. He he crushed it. Oh, that got girls. I mean, she was awesome, right? You not only blend in, now you kind of stand out because you are, quote, unquote, a winner. Not only does winning feel good, not only does winning look good, but winning, you know, it has like tangible prizes associated with it, right? If, if, whether you're a little league player or you're a professional, if you win of anything of significance at the end of the year, they give you this metal thing to put in your hand called a trophy, right? We're approaching an Olympic year, and if you take place first through three, somebody's going to walk up in front of your national TV, put this thing around your neck called a, y'all such a good class, that's why I love 1030, right? Right? And then if you're a professional, not only do you win a trophy, not only do you win uh, a ring, but you also win a whole lot of, oh yeah, 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 some of y'all like, and Ray, I'm all about that. Some of y'all are like, man, I mean, I don't even understand what the problem is about feeling good about winning. What's the problem with looking good and embracing the prestige when I win and when I come in first? I mean, I don't understand the big issue about enjoying the prizes that comes with being first or being the best or being the greatest. And here's the deal. The answer to that, everybody, is what is your motivation behind being the greatest? I would ask you this morning, why do you desire to be great? And, and, and what drives you to be first? Because everybody, here it is. See, when the motivation behind you being first and on top is all about you and making yourself known and, and how much you can get, then we're missing the mark. But instead, your life, your work, your accomplishments, and the motivation behind what you do has got to be all about Jesus making him known and how much glory he can get out of your life. Somebody ought to say amen. Right? Yeah. And so for those of us today who we need to kind of wrestle with this and try to get some principles on how to do this better, I created a formula for you today. And that formula is A plus A equals A for my note takers. A plus A equals A. And this is how you fill in the blanks. It's attributes plus attitude equals actions. Attributes plus attitude equals action. All right? Somebody say attributes. If you want to know what an attribute is, everybody from my note takers, attributes, they are the quality or characteristics of a person, place, or thing. All right? Attribute, it is the quality that is hardwired in you, watch this, given by God that makes you who you are. And so some of you guys, what makes you who you are, you may be super outgoing. You came out of your mama's womb, just never met a stranger. Where some of you may be a little bit more introverted. You know, you just kind of off to the side. You just kind of check people out. Be like, I don't know about that dude. 
All right, he cool. Let's hook up, right? Right? It's kind of like one of those things. Those are attributes. Uh, some of you, you're just super creative. You just, you think of things, you're just super creative, spur of the moment. You're a very free thinker, free-spirited person, while some of you are, you're much more structured, much more rigid in how you operate. And there's nothing wrong with that because you're super productive in that space, and that's kind of what makes you who you are. Some of you, you're just super self-confident. You know those people, they're so self-confident that anything that goes wrong, it just kind of rolls down their back, like nothing really bothers them. I wish I was more like that sometimes. I can be kind of the other way. I'm, I'm a little bit more self-conscious, and I can be analytical, particularly if I don't do something right. I'm like, man, I got to get this right. I got to get this right. But that pushes me to be my very best. See, all of those are attributes. Say attributes. And watch this. When you're not operating in your proper space where people kind of understand who you are and how you're wired, that can be real uncomfortable for some folks. And sometimes it may make you feel like you're out of place. But I need you to know, everybody, it's not an accident that you were created the way you are and you're wired the way you are. And my point in saying all of this is God has given you and wired you with these attributes, characteristics, and qualities that he wants to use for his glory. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and if you don't believe me, let me show you a couple of scriptures in Jeremiah chapter 1. Let me show you this one. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And everybody, I believe he was talking to Jeremiah, but I also believe he was talking to us today that the God of the universe uh, set you apart before you were even a blink in your mama's eye. Right, right. He chose you even before you showed up. He appointed you to a position and a space, and he wired you with everything that he's given you so that he can use that for his glory. It's not going to look like everybody else. What he's given you is for you to use for his glory. Let me give you another passage. Psalm 139 says this, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mama's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. We're complex. We're not like anybody else. And God wants to use that too. Let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. Look at this, Romans chapter 12. He says, in his grace, God has given us different, say different, gifts for doing certain, somebody say certain, things well. So if God has given you ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith God that God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Church, are you seeing this? See, we're all wonderfully complex. We're all unique. We're all different and equipped for God's service where he's called us. Now, guess what? That's not going to look the same for everybody. However, say however, those attributes might not all be the same. Our attitude about where our characteristics, our qualities, and our um, abilities come from will determine if our actions properly align with God's will for our life. Is this making sense? All right. And so when we talk about what it looks like for us as I titled this message, what it looks like to us to win by losing, this winning by losing at, uh, mentality or this idea, what it looks like for us to win by losing. Uh, I got three things I want to give you before we go to brunch today. Uh, the first one is, what does it look like as the disciples were arguing about who's the greatest? What is the position of the greatest? Number two, what is the prestige of the greatest? And number three, what is the prize of the greatest? The position, the prestige, and the prize. 
of the greatest. Are you ready to jump in? All right, look at Mark chapter 9. He says, uh, after they've arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, uh, what was y'all out there discussing on the road? Watch this, verse 34. But they didn't answer. Somebody say they didn't answer. Because they had been arguing, say arguing, about which of them was the greatest. Now, this is what I need right now. I need three people to raise your hand and share with me what is your favorite form of entertainment. What is it that you enjoy being entertained by the most? Three people raise your hand. I want to call on. Yes, right there in the the middle. Music. Okay, you're a music guy. Love going to concerts. What's your favorite form of entertainment, dear? Sports. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, got to go to the game. Got to go to the game. One more. Yes, dear. Comedy? Yeah, I like good comedy too. Kevin Hart, you like Kevin Hart? Yeah, yeah, he's crazy. Yeah, yeah, right? One of my favorite forms of entertainment, everybody, one of my favorite forms of entertainment is going to the barber shop and going to the sports bar and listen to men argue. <laughs> yeah, about who they think the greatest athletes are of all time and currently. It is some of the funniest stuff. I mean, some of this stuff you can't buy. It's so hilarious, right? I mean, I would literally eat popcorn and kick up my feet and just laugh at these guys. Some of these guys, I think they like went to law school or something because some of the, the evidence and the supporting facts that they bring to the table to justify their argument is just absolutely unbelievable. Everybody, can I tell you something? This is exactly what the disciples were doing on the road. They're actually at the barbershop. They're at the sports bar arguing about who's the greatest. Can you hear him? I can hear John right now talking about, well, you know, bro, I'm really the greatest. Because, you know, in the Bible, I'm referred to as the one that Jesus loved. See, he don't really even like y'all. He just putting up with y'all, but he loved me, right? I can hear James talking about, well, you know, I'm really the greatest because, you know, I got to see Jesus transform on the Mount of Transfiguration. I got to see him shed his earthly body and put on his heavenly body, and it was radiant, and it was awesome, and I got to see all that. And, yeah, Peter, John, you was there too, but that's only because I asked Jesus to bring you so you wouldn't feel a certain kind of way, but it was really all about me, so I'm the greatest, right? And Peter, I can hear Peter being like, all y'all need to kick rocks. It's obvious I'm the greatest. I mean, bro, I walked on water, man. I mean, the rest of y'all was too scared to get out the boat. Bok, 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 ah! right? And it's so amazing that Jesus had to call these guys back. And in verse 35, he says, he sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first, somebody say first, must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Somebody say first one more time. That word first, everybody, in the original language literally means to be the chief man or the chief men. And it's so funny to me. I don't know if you've ever been in those situations where you've had people arguing about stuff that really has no uh, eternal significance, but they're arguing just for argument's sake, talking about, oh, I'm the chief. I'm the chief. I'm the chief. But when Jesus showed up, ain't nobody else got nothing to say. Remember, when he showed up, he said, what are y'all arguing about? Right? But people can talk all night and day about, yeah, I'm the chief, I'm the chief, I'm the chief, until the chief of chief walks into the room. People can argue all night and day about, man, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, until the greatest of the great enters into the conversation. Yeah, yeah, I'm the king, I'm the king, I'm King James, LeBron James, until the king of kings and the Lord of lords take his rightful position. Come on, somebody. Yeah. 
And everybody, if our attitude towards our attributes are right, then we won't be having meaningless discussions around things that have no eternal value. Because everybody, the last I checked, uh, it's not at Peter, John, and Jane's name. It's not at Jordan, Magic, and Bird's name. It's not at Dave Clark or Ray McElroy's name. But the last I checked in Philippians chapter 2 is at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so if that's our attitude toward our attributes, if they're right, it puts us in a position, watch this, uh, to accomplish right action. It puts us in a position not of self-exaltation, but more of humility. I said, I'm going to say it again. Not of self-exaltation, but one of humility. Do y'all know people like that? That they're always looking to promote their own program? They're, they're looking to push their own agenda? And many times when they're trying to push their own agenda, what that means is that they're trying to pull you down in order to push themselves up. Y'all know one or two people like that? Maybe you work with them. Yeah, right, right. But every single time in football, we used to call them brown noses. I won't expand on what that means, but because uh, we're in church. Um, yeah. But basically, you chasing after the boss, trying to get your attention so that you can be put, put out front versus everybody else, right? And people, they waste their time doing that. And can I just say, for the Christians in the room that really trust and love God, the Bible says we don't have to do that because the Word says that if we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, He will exalt us in due season. We ain't got to push our own program, right? And so for us, it allows us to take the pressure off. I'm feeling like we got to do anything but do what he told us to do. We bless, we serve, we pray for, we operate the way we're called to operate. And, and, and every now and then, because sometimes this is hard, when people are seemingly getting pushed forward and progressing in areas that we would desire to get, uh, you know, improved and, and, and progress in, I'm going to say it like this. Um, Because sometimes we can look back and be like, man, they're so charismatic. Man, they just got all this great personality. But can I tell you something? Many times people's charisma will take them where their character won't keep them. Yeah. And so for us, all I got to say to you is you continue to serve. You continue to bless. You continue to be obedient. You continue to be steadfast and run your race the way Jesus called you to run your race. Because at the end of the day, when God opened the door for you, can't no man close it. When God established you, can't no man take you down. Somebody ought to say amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so our position can be one of humility when we talk about what is the position of the greatest. Not one of self-exaltation, but one of humility. Here's the second point, the prestige of the greatest. Somebody say the prestige. For those of you who are not into sports, I want to show you this. I got two photos for you. This right here, this guy's name is Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson was just the first overall pick in this past NBA draft. Just happened a few weeks ago. First overall pick, number one. Uh, Let me show you this guy. This is Mr. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was just the first overall pick selected in this year's NFL draft. You got two guys that are selected number one overall. And if we be honest, there is a certain level of prestige that comes with being number one. All right? The endorsement deals, the money, the just the, man, I'm, I'm the best. I was the best of the best. 
right? And, and listen, and whether you're the first overall pick of the NBA draft, the first overall pick of the NFL draft, or you the first overall pick on the playground when you're trying to get picked up to play some pickup basketball, baseball. Remember we used to do that back in the day? And we used to, pick me, ooh, 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 pick me. We want the captain, pick me, pick me, right? And when we didn't get picked, that actually made a statement. Not a verbal statement, but there was an implied statement if you got picked or if you didn't get picked. You know what that implied statement is? You guys are, you recognize this. That implied statement is, well, I'm a better player than you are. That implied statement is, I'm a more special, more favored person than you are if you're not the one picked. Here it is right here. This is going to hit you right between the eyes like it did me. Uh, I'm more valuable than you are. All right? And everybody, um, just like in this situation, we see this in the Bible where uh, you do guys do know that in the Bible we see that the firstborn was the one that was favored amongst all the other siblings, right? In fact, the firstborn got a double portion of the inheritance once everybody passed away. And because of that, that created some sibling rivalry uh, in a lot of families. And God in the Bible and Jesus in the Bible spent a lot of time even flipping that upside down because he wants us to know that I don't have any favoritisms in my kingdom. Oh, y'all remember this guy, David? Remember David? Got to kill Goliath, David. The guy that was the greatest king of Israel, David. If it was up to people... David wouldn't even got the position of king because, remember, David wasn't the firstborn. He was actually the lastborn. He was the youngest. And God's like, no, 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 no. I don't want that dude. I don't want that dude. I want him, that little runt in the back. I want that dude right there. That's my guy, right? Oh, y'all remember the lineage, the holy lineage of Father Abraham, his son, Isaac, Isaac's son, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Remember him? Say Jacob. You know, Jacob had 12 boys, 12 of them. And the, and the second youngest, Joseph, y'all remember Joseph? Before his youngest was born, he was the youngest kid. And the Bible said one day Joseph dreamed a dream. And that dream basically had him elevated over his entire brother and his father. And the brother was like, uh, 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 think about it. No, not you, all right? And so we see these examples in the Bible where God was flipping this thing upside down. And then there's another passage in, in Matthew chapter 20 where Jesus is talking and sharing a parable about a landowner that had this land. And he's like, hey, I need some people to work. Y'all want to work? Early in the morning, he went out. He was, he was like, yeah, let's work. He's like, I'll pay you one denarius for a whole day's work. And so early in the morning, they went out and worked in the field. And then the landowner did the same thing at 9 o'clock. He did the same thing at 12 o'clock. Did the same thing at 3 o'clock, recruiting people to come work in the land. And then at 5 o'clock, there was a group of folk kind of right in this area, some crazy people right here, just like these crazy people right here, right? And it was like, uh, what you doing sitting around? It was like, well, ain't nobody hire us. Well, hey, you want to work? I'm like, yeah, okay. So and he didn't tell them how much he was going to pay them. So the Bible says, watch this, in verse 8, it says, When evening came, the owner of the vineyard told his foreman, Call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. Verse 9, When those who were hired about five came, they each received one denarius. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When the people that started last got paid, 
they got how much? One denarius. Uh, how much did Jesus say he was going to pay the folk that started early in the morning? One denarius, right? Very interesting. So watch what the folks in the morning, when they saw this, it was like, so when the first ones came, they assumed that they would get more, but they also received a denarius each. Verse 11, and when they received it, they snapped off. You see it? See it? Say it right there. They began to complain to the landowner. Yo, these last men put in one hour, and you made them equal, say equal, to us who bore the burden of the day and the burning heat. And I don't know about y'all, but if I was one of these guys, I think I would have had an issue too. Because it was hot this weekend. Huh? Was it hot up here in Wisconsin? It was hot down in Chicago. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm thinking to myself, if I was out here working from 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. and 100 degrees, and you pick some joke, I mean person, off the street to work one hour, and I work 12, 13 hours, and we got the same pay, it might be a revolution up in this piece. It might feel the same way, right? But watch, 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 watch what Jesus says that the landowner said. This is so great. He said, he replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me on a denarius? Well, take what is yours and go. I want to give this last man the same, say same, as I gave you. Don't I got the right to do what I want to do with my business? See that? Are you jealous because I'm generous? Here's a verse, everybody, verse 16. So the last will be and the first will be last. And everybody, the first time I read this, I was like, man, this is kind of, this is kind of cold-hearted right here. Right? This, this, is, this is deep. But as I meditated on it more, I felt like I heard Jesus make this statement as it pertains to the first workers. And here it is, everybody. You might want to write this down. The statement that Jesus was making about the first people was, watch this. It is a statement not, say not, of the master's disrespect of those that he called first as much as it is a show of love value, and passion of those that he chooses last. It's going to make sense in a minute. See, see, I'm saying that to say to anybody in the room and everybody in the room, if you've ever made to been felt like second class, second rate, subpar, less than, not good enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, not talented enough. If I got anybody in the room that's ever been felt made to feel like that, can I say something to you? That is not your heavenly father's view of you. Right. Yeah, yeah. His view of you, everybody, is, is, as a matter of fact, he doesn't play favorites. To him, you're special. To him, you're significant. To him, you're important. To him, you're influential. To him, you're valuable. To him, you matter. Yeah. And in Jesus' economy, there are no big eyes and little you. We're all first-round draft picks. We're all the first overall pick. We're all special. We're all significant. We're all important. And if that's the case... If that's Jesus' view of everybody, watch this. Whether you're notable or not, 
whether you're newsworthy or not, whether you're noticeable or not, if that's Jesus' view that everyone matters, everyone is equally important, everyone is loved and valued equally, wouldn't that make a difference by how we treat others, how we love others, how we should as a church serve others, others that may not look like us, may not be where we're from, may not do what we do, may not think the way we think. Am I talking to any church people in the room? Right, right? And that's what the Christian church should look like. And that's why he says, listen, the first need to be last. You need to have this attitude of, man, everybody, there is no big eyes and little U's. Why y'all arguing about who the greatest? Right? At the end of the day, it should be about, man, everybody has a role. Everybody is important. And how do we use that to be a blessing to other people? And so our position, everybody, is one of humility, not a self-exaltation. Our prestige, listen, there, are, there, there is no big I's and little U's. Everybody's equal. Everybody's equally loved. And the Bible says uh, that the landowner uh, gave them the same as they did the people that started early. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm so glad that we serve a, a Savior that don't hold back on us. Uh, even though we haven't been walking with them as long as the people that's been walking with them for all their life. See, I know y'all been saved all your life. But a couple of us, you know, we ain't been walking with Jesus that long, right? And I'm so glad that he don't hold back his blessing. He doesn't hold back his favor. He doesn't hold back his promises. He doesn't hold back the purposes that he has for our life because we just got on board. He loves us all the same. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so excited about that. Yeah. Here it is. Not only do we need to understand the position, the prestige, but lastly, we need to understand the prize. Somebody say the prize. Verse 35 says, he sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. And here it is. These guys are on the road arguing about who the greatest. I'm the greatest. You the greatest. He the greatest. Here's my question as I get ready to close this. My question is, who was it that they were really trying to impress? Right? And here it is. uh, What prize were they really trying to win? And that's the question that I want you guys to examine as I show you this closing video. I never get tired of the image. And um, in closing, everybody, Derek Redman didn't win the gold medal. Derek Redman uh, didn't win uh, the prize money that he was hoping to win. Derek Redman uh, didn't win the position or the prestige that he was after as an Olympic medalist. But church, I believe Derek Redman won something far more valuable than position or prestige. I believe he won the ultimate prize, and that's the love and the affection of the Father. And all I'm trying to say to us, church, today is at the end of the day, in everything that we're doing, is what we're doing, are we after the ultimate prize? Because, hey, recognition is great, and it feels good, and and position is great, and, and and it feels good. But at the end of the day, 
if we do all that we're doing, we can gain the entire world and forfeit our soul if we don't win the heart of Jesus Christ. And all I'm saying to you guys is, did you see the father rushing to his son? Can I tell you how much he loved each one of us? He loved each one of us that he rushed to us while we were broken, running our race, doing our own thing, trying to make our own way. He rushed past death. He rushed past the grave to redeem us and bring us back into right relationship with our Father in heaven. And as in so much as he did that, what would it look like for us to live a life that everything we do brings him glory and brings him honor? And I want to make sure that we're clear before we leave today that I'm not saying that, oh, well, I guess Pastor Ray is saying that I'm supposed to throw games. I'm supposed to always come in second place. I'm supposed to lose. No! That's not what I'm saying. All right? As a matter of fact, let me give you a scripture to prove that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, whatever you do, say whatever. You work at it with all of your heart as you're working for the Lord and not for human masters. That means you give it everything you have at all times. And if when you give it everything you have, you come in first place, that's fantastic. If you come in fifth place, if you come in 25th place, you won't be stressed out about it because at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about him, right? Yeah. And so, church, when we think about what it means to lose to win and winning by losing, you know, all we're actually losing, we're just losing ourselves. We're losing our ambition. We're losing you know, our thoughts about promoting ourselves, And all we're doing is when we lose, isn't it amazing how we gain Jesus, how we gain his spirit, how we gain his favor, and how we gain his blessing. And when we do that, all the people around will see us, but they'll ultimately give him glory. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.